Ho, 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 and welcome to part two of Postcards from the Galaxy's Edge, where we continue to talk to Jack George and dive into some secrets when he worked on set of all the Star Wars films. All this and more on Postcards from the Galaxy's Edge. So I, do, I have another question. Now, this I understand you may or may not be able to discuss or disclose because you also worked on two films that had a massive difference to what happened on sets to what we saw as the final film. So we'll start off with Rogue One. Yeah. We can even see it in the trailers that ev practically every trailer shot in Rogue One isn't in the final film yeah are there little any fun to the point the one that everyone loves to replicate and i was so excited for when celebration came out was canary wharf and then running down canary wharf yeah. that's not in the film no, it's not. It's <laughs> so i don't know if there was any if you're able to share any kind of fun <laughs> things that you filmed that were not that didn't make the final film <laughs> or if you're not allowed to discuss those First, first of all, it was like com a completely different. It was like a completely different experience. Not not in a not in a bad way. Not in a good way. Just it was a different experience to um, Force Awakens. Even even with so with the three with the three episodes seven, eight, and nine, there were the filmmaking process was like very methodic. So that mm. every shot, especially with JJ, every shot was like practiced and practiced and settled for a long time just to get it perfect before they rolled on it, right? Which for someone like me who's getting camera data and getting trying to get stills, it was great because you could get all your camera data just from the rehearsals, mm. get all your stills from the rehearsals. So by the time they rolled, you're all right, you're in a good place. But then when, when it, I mean, Rogue, Rogue One was like crazy. Rogue One... Mm. And Gareth Edwards was such a lovely fella and like a very, very clever person, Gareth Edwards. So it went from that on The Force Awakens, like this slow, methodical process. Mm. Rogue One, the director's, he's, as soon as call time's 8am, him and the DOP are just picking up cameras, handheld, just running around and like filming, like whatever, there's carnage, got, especially the big battle scenes. Yeah. It's going off and it's just, handheld cameras like running around just going berserk like it was it was it, it was shot that way uh, on purpose or well, that that's how you know that's what the, obviously what the, the the director's vision for the film was and i do think that still comes out in the, in the final oh yeah like it, it definitely has a feel of like you're almost like like kind of like trying to respectfully say this kind of like the the wartime movies you would see from vietnam yeah, yeah. and things like that yeah. Like, yeah, you definitely get that vibe. But the minute you said that about they were grabbing cameras and filming, my heart literally just got anxious for you because I'm just thinking, but you're probably sitting there going, Ugh, but what's the focal length? What is oh, this? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was like, like as, a, as a witness cam operator, like you'd set up your witness cameras to a place, like you, you'd take time with it or be as quick as you can, but make sure you've got a good spot. Whereas with this... You didn't know where the cameras were going, so the last thing you want is for your witness camera to be in shot. Yeah. Mm. So, because then then you get a bollock in. It's like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> yourselves out. Or, 
So we were we were actually using GoPros. We thought the only I was going to ask you, like, what cameras were used for these wit cams or witness cams? It, it changes. I mean, Sony AX7s are used, Canons are used. Uh, it, 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 it basically falls down to the to, to whatever the VFX supervisor wants to use. Mm. For Rogue One, the VFX supervisor was John Knoll, and obviously he knew how the film was being shot. So he said, "The only way we can do it is 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 use GoPros, hide hide GoPros. I mean, most of it was for uh, K two. He, he, yes. he was full CG, and he looks amazing, doesn't he, as a full CG character, K two. Yeah, because um, that was just a, basically a guy on a, a guy in a suit on. Uh, yep, good old Alan Tudyk. Yeah, yeah. Still in a sort of mocap, mocap. Yeah." So we would just, we'd try and get a GoPro on top of the camera. We'd try and mount the GoPro. We'd get there early to mount a GoPro on top of the camera because we knew it was going to be handheld and just hit record and just, just let, and, and you know, just, just let the GoPro basically run out because they weren't even, from an edit's point of view, it must have been dynamics. They were hardly even slating. They were hardly slate on the cameras. And even the script supervisor was like, I don't know what take it is. I, I do, you know, it was just, it, it, it was like sort of shooting in warfare or something. It was it was crazy, but great, good fun, but it really hard work for everyone. Yeah, not just for me. Like it was hard work for everybody. After Rogue One, I was thinking it's going to be really interesting that film. Like yeah. taking taking Star Wars, and put it like in a completely different. They put the war in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Um, and then I heard I got I got approached to. I was on a different job. I can't remember what job I was on. But I got approached saying, oh, we've got a load of, there's a load of Rogue One reshoots. Are you doing it? I was like, oh, I can't. And normally when there's reshoots, it's like a week or two weeks. And then mm. a couple of months. I was, thinking, I was thinking, what? A couple of months of reshoots? And it was only then I thought, Some, something's gone on. That, yeah. You know, someone somewhere... Isn't isn't happy for whatever reason I don't know, isn't isn't happy with it. So I didn't do I didn't do the and any of. The, oh okay. Oh wow. So wow. Okay. So when I saw the film, I mean there was a lot of the the, the reshoots in there. I mean I would love to see an original director's cut of that film. Of Rogue One. I, mean, I loved it. I thought it was great. Rogue One and a lot of a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people actually, who I speak to who weren't necessarily mega Star Wars fans like myself and, and yourself think that Rogue One's the, like, the, be- the best best Star Wars yeah. they've ever seen. I don't know if, if, if you've heard that as well. Oh, yeah. Like, there was, there's been some people in the office that I used to work with would go, oh, they're not really Star Wars fans. But they said, oh, but I watched that Rogue One. Yeah. That was good. And now and then they're kind of understanding yeah. how it all went in and out. Because, I mean, the, the, the shots that stand out to me that obviously are not in the final film, which I just were like, oh, my God, that is so powerful, was like Krennic walking in the water and you just see stormtroopers like face down in the dirt yeah. fire everywhere obviously that's not in there and of course the big one where cassian and Jin, i mean we, we mentioned the canary wharf one but also where they're like running on the beach and they have the data tape and it's on a belt like it, all of these I, I just was like 
obviously a massive story redirect happened kind of thing yeah. but um yeah it did and and I, I, you know, I, I like, I, I really like Rogue One. Well, like my brother loves the original Star Wars films. Can't, yeah. doesn't like, has no time for Rogue One at all. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Just because for him, it didn't feel like Star Wars. You know, it's not got the job. It's not got the job. Really. It was, I think the one thing that does jump out to me, I actually like the, and I'm, I'm kind of, we'll get to Andor in a bit. Um, I like that what was different was you had like, here's the planet, this is, you know, what year it is, etc., which obviously does not happen in the episodics. Yeah. But I think the only thing that really got to me was the way the title Rogue One appears on screen. Yeah, it got to me. Like, even Solo is yeah. better, because at least it was still the same text and font color, and I noticed stupid crap. Like, well, it's not stupid to us, but to some people. Like, at least Solo, it was still, like, the same font and colors of a, a galaxy, you know, far, far away. Yeah, yeah. But then it was, like, doing the preemptives. And I, I liked the Solo logo and, like, us going through it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Which leads me to Solo. Yeah. Now, were you on set for both Lord and Miller and Ron Howard, or was it kind of the same thing? Like, tell me about Solo. Yeah. So I'm dying to hear this. <laughs> I was on both. Were you? Okay. Honestly, that film was basically shot twice. Mm. One, it's funny. I mean, we'd got the feeling with Phil and Chris, and they were like lovely guys, and they like, had, a, you know, just they had a lot of fun and everything. But like, you sort of got the feeling because like, People higher up were coming on set a lot, um, and I, I, I genuinely don't know what what the, what the problem was. Yeah, but it 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 was it was so odd because we were you know near it was towards the end of when we were meant to be filming. It, you know we've been in we've been shooting for months, and then a friend of mine in the states who who had worked with on Ready Player One, he, I woke up Monday morning to go to work and I had a text off him saying, oh my God, mate, what, what's gone down with Solo? And I texted him back, I texted back to him, what do you mean? Because he's in a different time zone to me and he's yeah. awake. And he was like, the, the director's got fired. Like, what? <laughs> so bless you you haven't even heard this no. in official channels you're hearing this yeah. that tells me how quickly yeah and uh, i mean we, we we've got the feeling that something somewhere what wasn't uh i don't know wasn't right or you know the the the, the crew had, had got you just you just knew that some people weren't happy with whatever, but um, yeah, it, that, that's how I found out. I mean, I, I got that text and then I turned up for work um, and I, I don't, well, we didn't shoot, didn't shoot anything that day. I think there was like a second unit doing um, sort of stunt, stuntable, stunt, stunty stuff, you know, mm. that, that was still going on. Um, and then, uh, and then Ron Howard, we, we got, you know, found out Ron, Ron Howard was going to come in. 
and direct. So yeah, how quick was that transition? Because because I was obviously by this point uh, doing like my podcasts and stuff that I was starting to follow it. And it felt like it was like a two, three week. We don't know who the next director was. So was that just because it hadn't publicly been announced? Like, was it one of those, like you knew literally the next day it was going to be Ron Howard? It was only a week or a couple of weeks, maybe not that long that Ron Howard was coming in. Uh, Yeah. And it was, it was fairly quick. And then we just did a, a little load more months and at the time it was good for me because I, I had not had I didn't have my next because we're all sort of on set roles freelancers right so yeah and I'd not I didn't have my next job lined up or anything and then it's like oh the the, the, the film's pushed we're, we're going to be shooting you know another two three months are you alright with that I was like yeah I mean it's fine you're like yeah job woo <laughs> exactly it was great I mean it's funny like uh, with with Ron Howard it went back to being what I was saying before, like a more, and this probably because he's 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 quite um, more of an old school filmmaker. Mm. It went back to a more methodical approach. Yeah, but I, I do think like Chris and Phil's vision for that film does still transpire in Solo. Like the fun. Well, didn't they? Um, wasn't I could be wrong, and so sorry to interrupt. <laughs> the actor that played Dryden Voss. Yeah. Didn't it change? Yeah, it did, yeah. Oh, okay. So you got to see both performances both. then. Yeah, yeah. It was Michael Williams. I mean, he died, didn't he, last year, I think. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So he, he played Dryden Voss in, in, in under Bill and Chris. And then he got replaced. When, when Ron came in, he got replaced by Paul, Paul Bettany. Mm-hmm. But it's it's funny because uh, the original Dryden Voss was going to be full C- his head was going to be full CG. So for all his scenes and all his scenes were only in on this one set and they shot it out over two weeks mm. in the original with the Phil and Chris version. And we had to run six witness cameras on him. Oof. We had to pull focus, pull focus, on, which normally with a witness camera you just... You hit record, you leave it alone, don't talk. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we had to set up six. Some of One would have to do handheld, the other one and would have to try and pull focus. I mean, we're not camera operators. And it was an absolute, it was probably the hardest two weeks in my life. We're on mm. set, and Sammy, um, work-wise. And then it gets completely cut and replaced by Paul Penny, who... Literally, just it, it, there was no CG involved with him because when they said, "Oh, they're replacing him," I said to the supervisor, "I was like, oh god, we don't have to do all that again, do we?" <laughs> he said, "No, no, no. He's he's just going to have like a, a scar, like a makeup." Scar. Yeah, that it almost seems like it's like when he got angry, it just got yeah, like just a bit more red or whatever. Which I, th- I mean, obviously, I don't know what the original vision was, but I thought that worked. You yeah, know, less is more sometimes. Yeah, yeah same. And I quite like Solo. I've not seen it in ages, Solo, but... Would you say... I'm curious. Now, I will, I'm not that person that's going to ask you which one did you prefer. But did you notice kind of a tonal difference? Because the reason why I ask is I saw, like, there's only, like, one or two outtakes or deleted scenes for Solo. Mm-hmm. And there's one where, like, 
I don't know if it's the Lord and Miller or if it was Ron Howard, where Solo almost is like a bumbling idiot. Like he's eating noodles and it's dropping all over his face yeah, and stuff like that. And I, I couldn't help but wonder if that was more the Lord and Miller vision than the Ron Howard. And I was just curious, no. like, could you tell a tonal shift? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that was the, the Lord and Miller. They, they, they wanted it. I won't go as far as comedy, but just a lighter, a, a lighter sort of vision on it mm. as, as opposed to what the end product was. Um, I, I do still think that there is a big element of fun to Solo. I think there it, is, yeah. It, it appeals to certainly young, younger generations. I think, and that's not a bad thing because it, but. And and that was that was from their vision. Whether they took that too far, I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what what the conversations were. Yeah, whether of course. Refused, whether they refused to to change their vision of it, possibly. I, you know, I don't know. But I think ultimately they thought they'd made the decision and wanted a safe what or what they thought would be a safe pair of hands to sort of steer the film over the line. So I have a question. Yeah. You know the famous fight where Chihan and Chewie first meet each other and they're in the mud pit and they're like, was that reshot or was that just once? Because I love where he starts speaking Shiriwook or whatever to Chewbacca. But, or is that one of those scenes that, had, that ended up being shot twice? No, I think that, that was all kept because we took ages and it was awful in there. It was <laughs> awful. Like everything got wrecked. Like whatever closure in got wrecked. It, it was like, I mean, it was literally paper mache sort of thing. Ugh. Like paper mache mixed with like this wet mud. And it was disgusting. And obviously, we're going in with like cameras and stuff. And yeah. I mean, more so the camera department. They're, they're, they're using like thousands and thousands of pounds worth of equipment. And it was awful. And it felt like an eternity that we were in there. So I'm pretty sure that all of that, in fact, I'm positive, all of that stuff was the original stuff in there. So we know the Dryden Voss. What were some of the other scenes that got reshot? Um, that, that was the main one. There was, there was a lot of... The, do you remember the the, the opening? At the, the, it's like a big sort of gas station... Oh yeah, yeah. Where they're on Corellia and like they're um, they're kind of running away with like the little vial of um, not co- is it coaxium? Yeah, yeah, coaxium. yeah, yeah. A lot of that and a, a lot of the so we had to build a set that they extend. So you know where I can't remember the, the name of the planet. It's yellow. It's like sort of yellow floor and there's river. It's where, where they're, they're stealing the coaxium. They come outside to get it onto Kessel. Yeah. <laughs> I've done a podcast from Kessel. Yes, yeah. Kessel. <laughs> um, so they, had, they we'd shot all of that, but then we revisited it. But it's it's it, it must from a production point of view, it must have been a nightmare because once you film on once you you might be shooting on say E stage or on the back lot, and once mm. it's done, set struck. Exactly. Set is built, right? So to then have to revisit it, so they'd sort of build portions of the set because there was no way they could go back and build the entire set again. Mm. Back lot had become something else, or E stage, there was a complete, or B stage, whatever, there was a completely different set. So once 
Ron came in, you'd find that you'd go into a, they'd, they'd pick a new stage and there'd just be sort of portions, just portions of the original set built because um, they, they just couldn't facilitate it. Uh, so, so it was tricky. It was, it was just lot, lot, lots of lots of pickups. All of the, pretty much all. So that we had a second unit on that film, mm. and months doing the train heist. Scene. Oh yeah. Uh, so all all of that stayed. So and, and which which looked looked great. But yeah, they basically just filmed this huge sort of train set against blue screen, and we're just filming. They they sort of did four beats of a sequence every day for about four or five months just on the stage and that was like the big that was like the big vfx number on that show. yeah well because yeah that was that's kind of what solo is known for was like oh that because obviously they didn't touched on it on book of boba fett yeah. but yeah it was that was the big thing it was like oh wow we're actually getting like a train heist in star wars kind of thing so all that all that all that remained uh, nice. Yeah, it was just lots of pickles, but it was it was like doing. But the main thing, you're right. The the main the, the main sequence was obviously the the Dryden the Dryden boss stuff, and then I loved I, I loved the uh, the Darth Maul the Darth Maul stuff on that. It was fantastic. Yeah, I bet that was quite cool to kind of be like, whoa, okay, again another kind of spoiled yeah. on set. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't mad on the prequel. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Even as a kid, I was so excited. And then I wanted to like, I remember going out for some minutes and I'd gone with my dad at the time. At the time, I mean, he's still my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I went with my dad and when we came out, my dad was like, well, that was absolutely rubbish. And even though in the back of my mind, I was thinking, yeah, he might be right. I was saying, no, it's not, it wasn't, it was great, it was great. But I don't- yeah, I, I think it's because you and I are similar age that, yeah, because I was like, eighth grade because it came out i believe the summer of 98 um and i mean i remember they had the massive like advertising it for it and everything up and yeah i just i just remember kind of going that was okay that was great i mean i loved the again the music so that yeah and i used to call it for the longest time duel of fates i thought that was the title of the song apparently it's duel of the fates i thought it was duel of fates (laughs) till like last year but um i mean that was amazing but i think i was gutted that i was like oh we had this bad guy that literally just because I think what I loved the most was the lightsabers because that was something new we had never seen before was that yeah. kind of fighting yeah. wushu kind of bit yeah. um, and so I was gutted I was like oh man Darth Maul got yeah. chopped in half yeah. kind of thing and I I hadn't really followed the animated bits by Star Wars because obviously Darth Maul has a very big story arc covered in like Rebels and Clone Wars yeah. animated series by Dave Fioni. Um, so that's why, like, if you don't know that, it was so funny, like, watching that big reveal in Solo and my own parents, like, we didn't see it together, but my own parents were like, wait, that's the guy from Phantom. How is he alive? <laughs> like, they couldn't quite yeah. get, you know. But I thought it was actually a strong choice to not rely on, oh, it, you know, it has to be shown on screen or explained that it was kind of like, a, hey, we're putting that in there and you have to figure out how, you know, research how that came about. Yeah. 
and things. But um, so I have last question because this is going to be the big one. Um, and then we'll share it. See if you, if you want to share some like onset fun like stories or whatever. So there's always when the Rise of Skywalker was in production, there was this massive rumor that Matt Smith was in it and played a young Palpatine. But then nothing was ever like confirmed or anything. And then obviously Ian McDermott yeah. came back and reprised the role. Yeah. Was Matt Smith on set? No. I, I, okay. I, I, no, sorry. I remember those really though, but it was, it was always, um, again, it was, it, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I know that laugh because of us working together. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, I mean, he, he, he was on set, but he didn't. He, he he did play someone. I think Matt Smith. Mm. So he did. He, he looked just like an obscure character, and I, don't, I think he might be uncredited. But there's a few uncredited people in it. In in the uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker. Wasn't the princes in it? No, they came. They came. They came to set, but they weren't stormtroopers because that was a rumor as well. Yeah, no, no, they didn't. They didn't dress up. I don't think they did. They came on set though, and they were ace. Like they, they, they were well into it. Looked nice. Like, just, just, you know, just, just to watch and like they held lightsabers and all the rest of it. <laughs> um, but with the Ian, it, it was always Ian, Ian McDermott. As far as far as I, as far as I know, it, it was. Um, but it. It, it, it was all kept it was so tightly kept under wraps we didn't even as crew members until we were actually filming it we I mean we, we didn't we didn't really know what was happening we, we, we were gathering an idea and that was another moment on there where I was like oh my god it's the emperor like, <laughs> yeah it was amazing because obviously um, in kind of the speculation and things like that the there was like a lot of that in terms of Ray's story arc, especially on that scene where they're in the hangar and he find Kylo Ren finally reveals that she's a Palpatine, which yeah. I'm not very happy about. It's been rumored that actually those that, that line got changed in post and that's not actually what was said on set. Can you confirm any of that? I think, I think it was said on set, but they didn't. Yeah. They didn't. But they did different versions, though. So they uh, they, they, they did, uh, like, a, a load of different takes. And it happened that bit in the film. They filmed different versions of, of lines, um, you know, at, at, on set, and then chose to use whatever they wanted to use. You know. Kind of pulled, like, an Empire Strikes Back to where it was, like... Obi, I mean, I guess that's why people were asking because obviously it's that old bait and switch that happened in The Empire Strikes Back, as I know you're very aware of. Where on set he said Obi Wan, yeah. but then it wasn't until like post that they changed the because obviously you don't see Darth Vader's mouth moving. Yeah, yeah. They were able to change yeah. that line, but uh, so I was just curious because that's also everything people speculates and go back and forth and go oh yeah this is what was said or oh this was changed in post and it was never said on set so I was like well I know a person who yeah. literally knows what happened on set. So. No it was but amongst like other other lines uh, mm. I'm still not sure whether even at the time they knew which direction they wanted to go with it yeah, yeah it, that's what's been said and speculated that they weren't quite sure, like, which way. But sometimes, which that kind of 
and kind of to echo back what you said, going back to The Force Awakens that had this very structured, they knew where they were going, everything, where it felt like The Rise of Skywalker, I mean, even in production, they're still not quite sure where they wanted to go with the story. Yeah, kind of thing. They, they changed they changed directors, didn't they, before, before they even started shooting. Yeah, because I forget who was... A, oh, yes, of course. How can I forget? Yeah. It was Colin Trevorrow. Yeah. And then went back to JJ, which I have to say, I have seen the bits of the leaked script and obviously concept art and thing from Colin Trevorrow. And I am happier with the direction The Rise of Skywalker went. I guess it's because I, the Rey character speaks to me so much that yeah. I thought that was such a strong choice yeah. in The Last Jedi to make her a nobody, yeah. only to then be like, no you're actually a palpatine like i feel like you could have had that whole story arc yeah in the rise of skywalker and she didn't have to be a palpatine it served nothing oh, but anyway that's yeah. just my personal opinion no, no, I, I agree i agree um what i mean at, at the time because i was i was already always going to do it do it regardless and so yeah we, we just thought it was like colin trevorrow who, who was going to do it but then like, as like crew members having worked with JJ on the first one and he was like I mean uh, uh, Colin Trevorrow might be am amazing to work with I've, I've never worked on a on a film that he's directed so I, I don't know but then when we heard that it was going to be JJ again JJ bringing his like DLP and his camera crew were all from the yeah. film like, I was like, so excited I thought and even even if the end product as much as I'd want it to be amazing because it's Star Wars just as a work environment, I was so excited again. Yeah, well, it's also kind of a nice back to one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because um, obviously it was like my favourite experience I'd had on a film was The Force Awakens. And largely down to, to JJ, because it's his film, right? They, they are the director's sort of... They set the tone for, for like, the, the life on, on set of a film. Yeah. It, 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 their personality... It like transpires across uh, across how how the how the film's made, like the morale of the crew, like if they're sh shouting, they want silence all times, and then it, it's it's not the best environment. Like in in in, in any in any job, it's it's not the best environment, is it? But if if there's a boss, if you work under under a boss who's like just really chilled, has got time for everyone, likes music being played, like really approachable, is dead interested in what you've got to say, comes over and talks to you. It's a nicer environment, isn't it? Uh, yeah. That's that's why everyone was like excited, because JJ was pulling back. Um, and I did I did enjoy the film. I, I did, it, it, it is a bit, it, it's a bit messy, isn't it? And, and yeah. It's right with me, but... That's just like and and that being said, like I'm I'm happy people enjoyed it and found things like about it, like a found family for Ray's story and everything and so that's great. It just yeah, there just was bits for me that just yeah. But I will say what was very cool was that Kajimi set where they're doing the the force back or whatever, and that that was on set yeah. to where. Um, basically where they're kind of going between Kajimi and Kylo Ren's room yeah. on the, I forget what this, this is where my little geekdom fails me, but that was practical and that was cool. Like, 
really cool. And you know what was great about that was when when they were shooting that, when they were shooting Ray's bits on Kojima, Adam Driver would, would be there in full costume. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be there. Like, whenever they did <clears throat> those, those scenes, they were always... The other character would always be off camera in costume, like really, really going for it at the same time as as, as, as the character who was on who was on camera. Uh, and that comes back because they were like that. I only know this again because of that documentary, um, the Ryan Johnson one. Yeah. I mean, that comes goes back to um, the Last Jedi, yeah. where they were both on set, and that really, I I feel speaks to both of them as actors that they're really into it and want to be able to give that like best performance and i think that's also what made it work if you didn't have the great chemistry and things i guess for me like again i'm sorry prequelists but i just like i don't buy the love story or not even love story but just like i don't buy the chemistry between anakin and padme where whatever chemistry you wanted to see you believed the chemistry between Kylo Ren and Rey, yeah, and that really, I feel, could have made or broke the sequel trilogy. Yeah, 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 yeah I agree. Completely. So, what kind of um, fun? I, I have a story of mine, but I didn't know if there's any other kind of fun stories you wanted to share that you experienced on set. I mean, the one I think about is your dog and things. But I didn't know if you had any other like fun stories you'd like to share that you experienced on set. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. I mean, one. One that blew my mind was on on the, the Force Awakens. <laughs> I was I was chatting to I was chatting to the camera operator Phil. He's called, and uh, he's a he's a lot older than me. Like he's been he's been operating cameras since like the seventies and stuff. So I'm having a chat, and he's quite he's quite a posh English fella, but he lives he lives out in LA now. Yeah. Anyway, so we're having a chat. And he he because I was quite young, and he <laughs> he'd always like to take the Mickey out of me and, and whatnot. And anyway, so we're chatting, and he was like, uh, "The lunch menu got passed around. The lunch menu would appear so on sheets of paper." He's like, "Jack, Jack, go read what's what's for lunch." So anyway, I started reading it, and I see him taking a photograph of me, and I was like, "What? What are you doing?" He's like, "No, no, I'll keep reading." Anyway, <gasps> so I'm reading, and I was like, "Prawn tacos, lasagna," and netting this voice behind my shoulder. Just goes, "Say that again, kid." And it's—I mean, it's Harrison Ford, but dressed as Han Solo. So in my mind, it's Han Solo. I was like, oh my god, I said, sorry, what's wrong? I said, read the menu again. <laughs> oh my god. So I said, I said, I was reading it, I said, prawn tacos. He's like, no, prawn tacos. So prawn tacos. He's like, you got it, kid. And water. I was like, oh my god. Phil <laughs> had got photographs of it. That's the reason why I made that scream. Is that's the photo that was because yeah. I remember what you showed me that, and I was like, "What? Yeah, I what?" <laughs> so I was like, I mean, I was sort of, I wasn't, wasn't very old, 
adored this dog and I was <laughs> so embarrassed. I, I, I was, oh my God, I was so, so like, I dragged Winston away. I was like, you naughty, naughty boy. <laughs> you know I was so, so. What did she say? What happened? <laughs> she was quite, quite funny. She you big Gary. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you. I turned her back and I was like, oh my God. And I, I, like, could have died there and then. Anyway, <laughs> just, she spun, spun back round on the chair. She was like, I'm fucking with you, kid. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard that part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, um, I only, I, I, I can't even say I met her like you did. Cause mine was like at a convention, but, um, it was, I think it sadly was like a couple months before she passed. Um, she was doing some London convention. We were, me and my wife, we were going to take some pictures with her, but she canceled her afternoon photos, which were like, oh, that's a bummer, but we'll, we'll wait in line and get an autograph. So the deal was my wife could talk to her. I got to have the photo in my name. That was the deal. So I was like, okay, fine. So my, my wife is talking you know, Tara saying, cause we really enjoy her as an author. So we were saying, you know, we really enjoy your books and you know, you, you know, my wife was saying something, I think along the lines, like you really helped me embrace who I am and everything. She's like, Oh yes. And embrace the weird and always be yourself kind of thing. Well, meanwhile, she's writing to Shannon and I still have this picture to this day. You can see where her pen stops because she goes two ends or one. And I was, and I, it's the only time I spoke up. I was like, two, please. <laughs> then she continues on. So if you look at the signature, you can tell where her pen has stopped yeah, yeah. to figure, just to confirm and everything. But it's nothing compared to yours. Oh, no, it's great, though, isn't it? It's just great as well. Yeah. Yeah, but oh, that's, that's really the only like celebrity death that's really gotten to me. Yeah. Was. Yeah. Yeah, but not only was she like, not only was she Princess Leia, but like she, as a person, she was like an amazing person. And what you're saying about books, are books are fantastic. Yeah. And, and, you know. Well, and that's where I got that in, the inspiration for my podcast is uh, from Postcards from the Edge, and then there's yeah, the yeah. Galaxy's Edge, which is the theme park yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. So that was always my kind of homage yeah. to her and great. things. And the, the bit, the the main production office at Pinewood. Studios for the, the, the episode nine, uh, the Rise of Skywalker. It, it, it's because Pinewood have now expanded. They've gone the, the Pinewood Studios would be sort of on one side of this main road, but there was all this land over the other side. And they built a load of stages there, and the, the main production office there is like the Public Carrie Fisher building now. And oh, that's nice. where all the Rise of Skywalker sort of the offices were based. Were based there. Um, yeah, she. I mean, she'll leave a an amazing legacy once you great oh definitely i i'm so i'm so bummed that she didn't make it to the last film because i know it was speculated like the last because it's like every film for each kind of of the trio of the original mm. was their film so like the force awakens was han's film you know good bad and different how you felt the yeah. you know the last jedi was luke's yeah. this one was supposed to be leia's and I was so excited to see where that was going to go. And yeah. I mean, I know obviously with technology is limited and I think ILM did a fantastic job 
getting her using footage from the force awakens yeah, and making yeah. it work yeah. um with that but yeah, yeah i just there's only so much you can do yeah you can't just make a full cg and and create you know a massive storyline for uh because it's just impossible right you can't you can't do it, it yeah it, I, I think the work island well, I mean, God, we just barely can do it now. Like, they just now have the voice technology yeah. to do, like, they did it with Luke Skywalker on Book of Boba Fett. I yeah. almost called it The Mandalorian, but I'll leave that hot take another day. Um, and, you know, they so they wouldn't have had that ability to do her voice. I mean, they have it now, but again, obviously, that's how quickly visual effect technology yeah. evolves and things. But, um yeah, I, I do I do get a bit bummed, but yeah. I did like that she was the one that trained Ray Skywalker. Yes, yeah, kind of thing. I I liked that. I liked that kind of reversal, and I would love to have that as a book because there's a book called Master and Apprentice from Claudia Gray that's about Qui Gon training um, Obi Wan. Yeah. It'd be great to get like a second one, the Master and Apprentice, where it's Leia training Ray yeah. kind of thing, and that would be great. Would. But so kind of wrapping things up for what you've done, you've been worked on Andor, yeah. which was, and I remember following a, a local UK podcast, Star Wars sessions were going on. They were really excited. It was all being shot near them and things like that. And it, it was new for Star Wars TV because of course, obviously the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett broke a lot of ground with the volume based and from like John Favreau in his experience working on Jungle Book and Lion King. And that that's where I was like, oh, I was there for those two. But, um, but then Andor now is bringing back kind of that cinematic feel did you notice kind of a difference to like a TV Star Wars compared to your experience as like film Star Wars? Um, yeah, I did. In the like what I was going back to before, it, it wasn't like as as methodic as what the, the films were. Uh, mm. Like just just the shooting style, and I, I just think that that comes with. Um, it being TV in general, you you know you you've got to get through so so much. You know you think a film a film on the scale of Star Wars takes seven months to shoot, yeah. and it's therefore a TV series takes eight months to shoot. But you, you've got to get so much more content in there for let's say. It's, 10 episodes just for sake of argument um so it's 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 a much it's a much quicker process i'm not saying it's like less thought through um so you do get that but i mean i i was i was blown away by mm. the the level of like production the, the set builds and it all still had that 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 star wars feel to it so the production design and everything you know all the work had still gone in place even though you're not spending anywhere near as much time on a on a set as you as you would on a film Mm. um because you know these things just have fleeting visits but with andor i mean it one of the it's one of the best sets i've ever seen they basically built a town 
um, there's a place in uh, called I don't know if you know it Harrow. Which is about, it sounds familiar. Actually, I think a friend of mine used to live in Harrow. Yeah, it's, it's about thirty miles north of London. Yeah. <clears throat> And uh, I mean, I, 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 my first day on there, it's like this huge village. I mean, you could get lost on there. This, I've only seen the first episode so far of Andor. Uh, say, okay, I'll make sure I don't spoil anything. One and a half. Um, and it, it, it's where he, he, he's there a lot. I can't remember the name, the name of the place now, but it, it's where he meet, meets meets the girl near near the beginning and the yeah. It, 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 so it's there, but. And and they, there's like so many, there was so many buildings on this set, and like, you think like with a set, if you go in one of the buildings, it, it's just going to be like steel framework and stuff. But I mean, you come yeah. in and there's like, it's proper rooms like full of props. It's just in, in the, the attention to detail was amazing. The the the, the, sh- the shooting process. Is much quicker. It's like one or one or one and two takes, uh, mm. and then you're done. But I just think that's because they they have to get through so much, so much, yeah, so much, you know. And, and they're on a similar time schedule as, as what a film will be. And a film is what, let's say, two hours. Yeah. Whereas with a series, it's it's what it can be up to like ten hours, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So the, the, there'll be a lot of editing editing involved. Because um, I've not really, I've done I've done a little bit of t- TV, but not, not not on, not on that scale. I'd I'd mainly done done films, a brutal shoot, and all so many, uh, lots lots of lots of night shoots, mm. uh, lots of shooting on location, um, but. Really good fun, and I think it's going down well, isn't it, Andor? It is. It is definitely. It's a slow burn. Mm. Like I think it was clever and smart that they moved the date from August to September because of other big kind of returning franchises such as Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones coming back to TV after I think Game of Thrones had like a two-year absence. Lord of the Rings, oh my God, like since, you know, the early 2000s. Well, no, I mean, I guess there was The Hobbit and other things, but, you know, so one, I think that was smart that they moved it to September. So those shows had kind of their bit. That's speculated. Obviously, it could not be even related, but I think it was also smart that they released three episodes because it's it's because it's a different feel it's a different tone it's very adult which i like but it is also very intellectual it's like okay you're meeting these characters because like you're really setting them up kind of thing Mm -hmm. i won't say too much because i now know you've only seen the first episode i do one, I love the editing. Actually, uh, why am I saying that? You were on set. Yeah, I've just not watched it yet. But. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I, and, and, so, I just realized that. I was like, wait a minute. You were on set. And it, you know, it was like 18 months ago that yeah. I finished on that. So, um, I, um, I, I, I love the intercutting because unlike Mandalorian that did like a lot of J cuts and L cuts and kind of a push in on the face or book of boba fett that when we had flashbacks we had the whole back to tank kind of hand holding and or like especially in one i think it's like the third episode there's like a bait and switch where all of a sudden you're like oh that's this time period not that time period and it's you really got to pay attention 
and I love the intercutting and I love some of the, the choices where the, this was in the first episode, like the kids are not subtitled. Mm. I had, I even had to message one of my best mates in the Star Wars community going, stupid question. Are there supposed to be subtitles? Because sometimes, like, my Netflix, if you disable subtitles, depending on the films, sometimes, I don't know what happens, it takes the actual, like, subtitles off. Because I remember, I don't remember which film it was, but I know there were supposed to be subtitles there, and I had seen it before. And I was like, wait a minute. But um, I'm very interested, and I do think, like... Because there was a lot of heavy players that are in the trailers. You've got um, Saw Gerrera, Mon Mothma, all of that. But yeah, I, I, I do like where Ando's going, but it, it is a different feel and vibe. But I also like that because I, I think it's adding... Sorry? Me too. Me too. I, yeah. I think it's, it, 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 it's sort of adding another branch to the to the sort of storytelling of, 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 of Star Wars. It's, it's, you know, it's using that universe, but doing it in more I don't know if adults the right word maybe it is I don't know doing it in a more well it's like, a, it's more of a spy yeah. espionage yeah it is you know and and, and so you kind of need to know the players and what's at stake and you know and and I I like that mm. you know the characters are very flawed and yeah. you also can kind of see like I mean I like that they don't pull any punches like we're seeing I mean, let's be honest. Police brutality. We're seeing. I mean, I mean, I couldn't believe the the uh, the first episode opens up on like an adult district. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, was well, like it's a red light district. Yeah, it is. Uh, exactly. Yeah, but it's still tastefully done. That you get the idea. So it's not in your face. I don't think we're going to get an Eternals where there's going to be like a full on any sex scene kind of thing. But like, well, yeah, it, it's. it's it, it, that those subjects are approached in it, aren't they? Just yeah. Mean. And and let's let's be honest. In any walk of life, even though Star Wars is fictional, in, in any walk of life on any planet, those things happen, right? Yeah. They're they're, they're, they're gonna happen. Whereas, I mean, the original Star Wars films didn't didn't need didn't need to touch upon those subjects. Yeah. But I think it is interesting. Something within the Star Wars, you know, production within the Star Wars universe is willing is willing to sort of go there. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I think it's cool, and it, it it it's right what you 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 said earlier with Andor. I've only seen the first uh, one one and a half episodes, but it, it is something like you do have to watch and you do have to listen to, and I like I, I like that. You know, you yeah. you've got to be focused on it. It's it's not made for for kids it, it's it, yeah our show that that's that's made for people who actually want to watch it and listen and and yeah it, it, I, i'm 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 quite impressed by what i've seen so yeah and, and it, i'm i'm very excited to see the mon mothma stuff because i think that's going to be a character you ne- i never realized we're going to get flushed out mm. i love her costumes mm. um because i would say really the, the one character to me, a female character that just screams sensual is Kira. Like that, oof, every time she is just, yeah. oh, she's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's one of the few times that she's very sensual. I won't say sexual because it's different, but like, right. you know, and right. so. Right, yeah, you're right, you're right. You know, it, it's because of the way like she moves and how she kind of 
you know, puts Dryden Foss quietly and, you know, and then now it's going to be great kind of, I'm only going by what's in the trailers, but seeing Mon Mothma almost having to play that duality where it's like, oh yeah, I'm just going to smile and nod and uh uh-huh. And then behind the scenes having to really, you know, be a different person. And, you know, for all I knew, to me, Mon Mothma, the beginning was, you know, many Bothans died to get this information, which by the way, (laughs) I went to a pub quiz several years ago and the person who did the pub quiz like nearly got crucified because they said that that was that line was from empire strikes back and we were like no that is return of the or no what was it it was something about the boffins and like was this a star wars pub quiz or just a pub quiz it was a Star Wars pub oh, quiz, and whoever like made this really messed up because like they, they didn't say the answer was Bothans yeah. or something, and we all corrected them. They were like, "Oh, okay, okay, okay." Did you win the quiz? Say again? No, I didn't win the quiz. No, no. because I at the time I didn't know the Corvette was called the Tanta Five, the Tanta Vive right. Five, and I, I didn't quite know what I do now. <laughs> So no. So is there anything else, Jack, that you wanted to kind of share or talk about or anything? I know we could talk on for hours. This is probably going to be a two-part episode now because you thank you for sharing so much like wonderful on set stuff and even kind of putting some rumors to bed a little bit <laughs> in a good way, not like choosing sides or anything. But yeah, no, no, no. It's a, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I mean, there's there's loads. I mean, you you, you just. I've really enjoyed it, Shannon, and like you've you've tapped into because obviously it's, it's it, Star Wars has always been and it's still like a big part of my my life. Like I adore it, but I'm also luckily luckily very very luckily uh, lucky that it's been a part of like my work life as well since since I started doing what I do. I mean I. My, my job sort of changed slightly now but for the majority of of, of of what I was doing from the age of about 25 to 35 a lot of it was taken up by work, working on Star, Star Wars projects um, so yeah I, 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 I'm just I, I, I'm eternally sort of grateful I don't know to who <laughs> the universe, yeah, the, the galaxy, <laughs> the maker, as they say in Star yeah. Wars lore. <laughs> it's eternally grateful to have to have had a chance to work on them and 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 just just to see how much like because uh, because I've worked on on other films, you know, other than Star Wars projects, but with with the Star Wars films, uh, just, it just made me appreciate how much work. Mm. how much how much craft and how much um, genius uh, spanning a lot of people goes into making those films the Star Wars the Star Wars films it's just it's absolutely mind blowing and I think what's also cool is it really it's always been also a dual kind of production Mm. like it's not an American film. It's yeah. also a very British yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. 
production. It always has been yeah. from the beginning. And I think that's what's also very cool. And I think that's actually almost why I almost enjoy one of the many reasons I enjoy being in the UK, like being able to meet people like yourself and things like that, that I'm like, I am so close to this lush history of Star Wars. Yeah. And it's it's right on my doorstep per se i mean it would be different if i was still living in like colorado who'd be like it would feel like a world away yeah and it, it's very cool just to find people like yourself or literally i see a photo and they're like oh yeah i was you know i will I'll never forget geeking out being like wait you worked on the force awakens you're like yeah i worked on all of them and i was like wait 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 when you say all of them you mean like all of the films you're like yeah <laughs> Yeah, ju- just just for any listeners out there, I, I don't mean the original trilogy. I'm not that old. <laughs> I've got a really nice story about Ryan Johnson that is powerful. Oh, yeah? He, so uh, towards the, he's, a, he's quite a keen photographer, Ryan Johnson, and he, he carries his camera with him, a film yes. um everywhere. Anyway, I, I was taking... So uh, do you remember the sequence, the sort of mirrors sequence... Oh yes. Yeah. So, I was taking sort of photogrammetry of, of of Daisy's of Ray's face and walking around her, and I know I spotted Ryan Johnson taking a photograph of, of of me taking a photograph of Daisy. Anyway, that was weeks before the end, weeks before production wrapped and whatnot. Anyway, and on on the last day on wrap, came on and said, "I've got something for you." So what's that? And it's this stunning black and white <gasps> of me taking a photograph of Daisy Ridley of of of, of Red. That's amazing. He sent it to Jack, all the best, Ryan Johnson. Funny thing is, is that he he also took a picture. My 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 friend Ed, who is another the other VFX uh, lead data wrangler. <laughs> He also gave Ed a picture on the last <laughs> signed to Ed, lots of Ryan Johnson, of what he thought was Ed. Anyway, Ed took it and said, oh, thanks, that's amazing. Ed then looked at the photograph, and it isn't Ed that Ryan oh. taking this picture of, but he's obviously taking the picture of like one of the crew. Oh, it's Ed. Oh, bless. <laughs> but Ed still has it up on his wall, even though it's not him in the photograph. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's like my pride of place. Like you get, you get so many crew gifts. Certainly on Star Wars films, you get like t-shirts all the time. But yeah, on any film, you always get like a nice crew gift at the end, whether it be like a embroidered bag or some whatever. And I have to just say though, that's for the on set people. I have never gotten a good crew. Yeah. I think the only—that's a lie. I, the only thing I've gotten crew was I have my amazing challenge coin from John Favreau for the Lion King. Oh, that, that's cool. That's cool. And and being a military kid, I know where that tradition comes from. Where he's got, where John Favreau's gotten that, yeah. is from a military tradition to where when you're changing posts or you've done something outstanding, what they would do is they put the coin in the person's hand and they shake your hand, and that's how they pass the coin, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So he's gotten that from a military tradition. So it means a lot. Once I get like my own place and things, I will have that yeah. on my wall. But it's the only yeah, yeah, amazing kit. Stuff like that's cool, isn't it? I mean, 
yeah. you know, t-shirts and, and bags and whatnot are nice. But stuff stuff like that that you got from John Favreau and like the the, 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 the photograph I got off Brian Johnson was just I mean that's amazing because that's not only like that's like you on your job with Daisy taken by the directors. I mean that is just absolutely priceless. I am like so jealous, but in a nice way. But yeah, that's I'm so happy for you. That is amazing. Yeah, really, really, really nice. So yeah, with with that, Jack, where can are you? Where can people find you on social media if they want to kind of follow you, what you do, and things like that? So I'm only on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook or Instagram. But it's at hammer and tack, tack with a C and a K, rhymes with Jack, uh, at hammer and tack on Twitter. Brilliant. Well, as always, thank you so much. It's been a fantastic time. And uh, thank you to everybody who listened. And we will see you next time. Bye.